the number one question that any finance professional or any supply chain professional can go ask and try to bridge that gap is saying, hey, like what opportunities, challenges, risks, frustrations do you see in supply chain and how can I help you make them better, right? That's like the number, like if you want to go have immediate value right now in that conversation, go have that, go ask that simple question, right? You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. Earlier this year, the CFA Institute commissioned a global survey which featured current and recent university grads. The aim of the study was to identify the most desirable sector to work in for Gen Z. And the results, well, they were quite surprising. Beating tech, healthcare, and education to the top of the list was finance. And that's especially remarkable considering that just two years ago, the same study saw that finance was ranked fifth in popularity among college students and recent graduates. But perhaps this shouldn't be so surprising because, after all, times have changed. In the same way that supply chain has gone from being seen as this back office function to now one of the most fundamental areas of business and so mainstream, maybe so has finance. I was keen to understand this a little bit more, and I wanted to understand the newfound appreciation for finance, so I invited Chris Ortega onto the show. Chris is the CEO of Fresh FPNA, a leading fractional CFO and advisory services firm that provides businesses with the right tools to transform and scale their finance organization. Chris is currently one of the pioneers and leading lights of this new accessible approach to finance and accounting. Throughout this episode, I find out more about the biggest challenges and opportunities facing CFOs today, the impact of AI on finance, and the skills and qualities that CFOs will need in order to be successful in the future. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Chris, welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Excited for this conversation. Me too, because, you know, to give the readers a bit of uh, information here, you and I met at Sapphire in Orlando, SSE Sapphire which I found fascinating. I found fascinating for many reasons, but equally for the ability to meet a lot of different influencers in different spaces that I don't really come across. And so to me, it was fascinating, but also, and you and I've talked about this, we had a, a lunch where you, me, and a couple other influencers got together and we just solved all the problems of the world in like a two hour, one hour, 45 minute conversation, didn't we? We figured we figured it all out. We had all the all the riddles, everything figured out in like a, a two hour span. It was completely figured out. It was just mind blowing. But anyway, all right. So, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about is background. So I like to talk about the fact that I have had a non traditional background. I don't I, I don't necessarily look the part or sound the part or am the part of someone who is a CEO of business. And you've also had a bit of a different background. Maybe, maybe talk to us a little bit about the kind of impact that having a different background has had on who you are today. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, for me, going all the way back to my childhood, like I, I was born and raised in a low income, uh, first generation minority background. Um, I never had the silver spoons. I never had all the uh, all those different luxuries. And for me, I look back over that and I think it taught me so much. It taught me three things about life. It taught me the first one is like, I know that if there's anything I ever wanted to go get, I know I would have to go work hard to get it right. The number two thing that I realized, and this was going up through school, this was going through like business school. I think in business school is where I first realized, you know, like being in accounting and finance at the honors program at the Kelly School of Business um, at Indiana University, which was one of the top five uh, business school programs for accounting and finance at the time. And I look around and I just see like, there's nobody like me, you know, like I'm in all the classes and that was kind of really like my first toll gate of realizing is like, man, I'm going down this lane of accounting and finance where I'm probably going to be the only minority represented. And I think throughout my professional career, that has like followed me throughout my professional career, right? I, I started off in public accounting, grew up in tech, um, reached the highest levels of the finance organization. And to me, it, it highlights the third thing that has always been important through my career, which is representation. Right. I remember being in high school and seeing a, a African-American CPA that was that had style. He had the newest Jordans on like he had swagger. And I was like, you know, I grew up in the inner city, low income. I grew up in the in the in the in the, in the hood, basically. And I seen this guy and I was like, wow, this is somebody like me. This is somebody representing like my culture and I, I went up to him and I said, Hey man, like, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm a CPA and I work at Eli Lilly. And I remember the first time like hearing that I was like, wow, like you can be yourself. You can, you know, come in with your own skills, passions, talents, and experiences, and you can still be who you are. So I think for me, that has always been like a catalyst since I was young all the way through being the CEO of Fresh FPNA and starting my own uh, global fractional CFO and advisory service company. Representation matters. Stay unique to yourself and uh, make sure you're making an impact across not only just your community, but you know your, your profession that you're in as well, too. I totally agree with you on representation matters. You know, I didn't have a lot of mentors growing up. Uh, there weren't many women in business, let alone in supply chain or manufacturing. And I remember being the only woman in the room, the only minority woman in the room. And so that that's changed dramatically, although there's still a lot to do, right? There still is a, a long way to go. Okay, so the reason I want to talk to you is because you represent finance, which is this murky thing for us in supply chain. It's the, you know, the other side, the dark side, as it were. It's the people that say no to people in supply chain all the time. And, and you know the number of conversations I've had with people where it's like, oh, I wish, how, how can I get into the brain of my CFO or my finance person? So having you here, we're going to try to crack that one. We're going to try to figure it out. Let's go. Let's go. How to, how to crack that one. But also I want to just lay the groundwork here and talk about how I've always said that supply chain has been seen pre-pandemic as a back office, sort of in the dark function that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, don't whatever. And now all of a sudden it's mainstream. Everyone knows supply chain. So uh, a lot of the decisions taken pre-pandemic were cost-driven or I would say entirely cost-driven. Yet the decisions that are being taken now are more around risk, resilience, 
So what's on the mind of someone in finance with regards to supply chain? Yeah, I think that it's it's the first thing that pops in my head is continual uncertainty, right? I mean, that has been something I've talked about last year, even this year, right? As we continue to navigate, you know, next year is a, a political year for the United States. That's always a transitional year across the globe. Like that's always a a, mo- a really important element. So the first theme I think with supply chain and finance is like continued uncertainty, right? The second thing is how do you how do you make sure you have an organization on the supply chain, the finance side, the operations side, the HR, the sales, the marketing that's resilient and 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 able to take take care of adversity, right? Like adversity can scheme are going to continue to happen, right? And I think the third theme across all businesses is this: how do we still maintain this profitable growth mindset, right? You talked about before the pandemic, before the pandemic, like from a finance perspective, like companies were like, grow at all costs. We don't care what it takes. Like we need that top, we need triple digit top line growth. Right. And you started to see, I mean, even yesterday, as recently as we work, a $47 billion value company that's now in chapter 11 bankruptcy. Right. So this mantra of grow at all costs. Now we got to be profitable in how we're growing things. Right. Like a lot of organizations are looking at double digit growth, but they're looking at, you know, double uh, single digit or double digit growth on their EBIT. They're looking at cash flow positive. So I think now how you can partner and make sure that you have efficient supply chain uh, uh, methods, that you have sufficient supply chain avenues working directly with finance, right? That's how you're going to win them over, right? When you can sit across from a CFO and say, hey, look, here's our particular supply chain baseline. Here's where we're at. Here's some of the improvements we want to make that deliver, you know, our products or services on time that deliver a better customer experience. And this is also how it's going to help us save money. That's music to the to the CFO's ears. Right. And I think, you know, when you look at the pandemic and you still see it now, like supply chain disruptions with like that was a huge disruption to a lot of businesses. And I think CFOs and supply chain leaders need to come on board together and say, hey, look, how can we match the best of our skill sets, right? Like we know logistics, we know the supply chain, you're cost conscious, you see the bottom line. How can we connect each other so we can see like, hey, this is what my activities on the supply chain line is driving on the bottom line results, right? And then finance giving over to supply chain and saying, hey, here's some maybe enhancements we can make that we're gonna have either a better customer experience, uh, you know, drive better revenue or optimize our costs. That's really, I think, the three different avenues you want to have to win that CFO over. You talked a lot about partnering with the CFO, and I think that that's a really important point. Um, we don't really partner with in a cross-functional way within organizations. It seems as though we're either, you know, shopping from or you know, pitching to. We're we're trying to, you know get something out of someone in an organization and the word partnership that you, that you just said stuck with me. The second thing that stuck with me in what you just said was the vocabulary, the communication bit. And I think sometimes, and I know this with my background in commerciality, my background in sales, when I speak with someone, I try to understand their world and I try to communicate with them in words that, that will help their world. So you've just talked about uh, a number of different ways that we can understand the finance person and what they're driving for. So 
let's talk about a little bit about what's what's keeping finance up at night today. Honestly, the number is three things, right? The first one is, I think, this ever-changing role of what the value proposition of the CFO is, right? Like, I, I like to distill it in three different phases, right? So when you think about before the pandemic, right, the value of the CFO was what I would say is the scorekeeper, right? They were the one keeping score. We said, hey, we had a budget of 10 widgets. We did eight widgets. Yay, right? That was the value that the business expected from the CFO pre-pandemic. We gave the score, we kept the kept the numbers, right? Then during the pandemic, right? This is where I say like a lot of the the chief marketing officers, the chief sales officers, a lot of the revenue producing side of the business, there was a lot of uncertainty and challenge during that time, right? And they said, "Look, I don't know how to navigate this. Like I'm not this isn't this isn't my area of expertise." And those CFOs that stepped up, that helped navigate those organizations through uncertainty and challenge and come out better on the other side, that set a completely new baseline of what the business expects and what the CFO needs to provide, right? And now you go into this other area where it's like, now we're not just the, the we talked about this earlier, we're not just the CFO no, right? We need to be the CFO go, right? We need to be thinking about how are we helping Think about the future of the organization, right? So that to me are the different stages. And that's number one is that continued evolution of value proposition that keeps CFOs at night. Number two is this idea around talent, around people inside the organization. I think when you think about finance professionals and specifically CFOs, we are all quantitative driven. We're quantitative people, right? Once you start getting into the warm and fuzzies and the qualitative side, and you start talking about employee engagement, you start talking about, you know, you start, you start, you're like, you're like, it's like, this is warm and fuzzy. I can't compute this, this, I, I don't know, this is not, you know, zero and one. We start to get a little bit uncomfortable, but this is the best place we need to lean in. As we all know, there's a lot of organizations that are still facing talent gaps. We know that people are the most valuable resource. And when we can get better in connecting to the qualitative side of our business, partnering with HR, partnering with our people operations, right? I remember when I was leading high growth organizations and we would have like a senior leader come on board, whether it was in sales or whether it was in marketing, no matter where the organization was, I said, I want to be part of that interview. And the reason why I wanted to be part of it, I'm like, this is a very important resource that I know I'm going to partner with that's going to have a direct impact on the bottom line of our business. So there's a 1000% I want to be part of that conversation, not just to assess who they are, but I want to establish the relationship with that potential candidate day one. I want them to know right out the gate is like, if you come into this organization, you're not going to be dealing with that scorekeeper. You're going to be dealing with that valued advisor that's going to be partnering with you to help you be successful and to help the organization be successful. And then I think the third piece of it, right, we talked about the evolving value prop. We talked about talent. The third piece is technology. You know, we were just on a panel a couple weeks ago. Generative AI in the uh, finance space is a huge disruption right now, right? There's so much ability. And technically, when you think about the CFO suite, the office, we're usually like the laggers of technology, right? You got sales and marketing that... The technology hasn't even come out yet, and they're already using it, right? They're already using it. 
And then you got finance where the technology's been out 10 years. And we're like, hey, should we be thinking about that generative AI thing? Yes. So technology adoption and how we harness our power, right? In leading high growth organizations, even some of the clients that we work with at Fresh FP&A, when revenue's doing great, I never had the luxury or nor am I recommending in, in people's plans to say, hey, we should go hire an army of more finance people, right? We don't typically get that, that luxury. We have to do less with more, right? I mean, we have to do more with less. So that's where technology helps amplify us. So I think those are the top three things that every CFO is keeping up at night. The continued evolving value proposition, the talent, and how do we leverage quantitative and qualitative aspects in our organization, and technology. Those are the three things that keep me up at night for sure. And you know what? We are of the same like make makeup, right? Because supply chain, they're the biggest worries they're facing is the volatility in the market in the volatility in the situation in the world right now, whether that's geopolitical, whether it's economic, all the major uh, issues in the cocktail of crisis, let's call it. The second thing is we have an enormous skills gap. We have a generation that is leaving the workforce, taking with them a great deal of intelligence, a great deal of processes, things that have worked for many years, and not many people attracted to working in, in supply chain or manufacturing. That's a whole separate thing in my opinion which is i don't think we we do enough to make supply chain sexy for young people to make it attractive so people really want to work here and the third thing is the whole technological piece i agree with you i think the gen generative ai i think ml i think all of those things are going to be hugely different hugely hugely impactful into a supply chain operation now so we've got the same problems Right? You've got the same problems, we've got the same problems. So how do we collaborate together to make sure that we're able to get through this volatility, attract the right type of people, and implement the right type of technology to drive the business forward to value, the dr delivering value, which is at the end of the day what we all want to do? I think the first piece, and we kind of highlighted on this earlier in the conversation, right? You have to meet people where they are. I think traditionally, a lot of finance and CFO professionals we are so used to commanding the business, right? We'll go to supply chain leaders and say, hey, we need to reduce our supply chain cost by 30%. I'm commanding you, you go do that. You go figure it out. I don't, yeah, I don't care how, but just do it. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that traditionally uh, has always been the kind of perspective that finance is brought to the business, right? It's like sales. We need to go get 40%. I don't know how you do it, but you need to go figure it out, right? We're, we're so used to commanding, but we need to come to the table specifically for, for supply chain and say, I think the number one question that any finance professional or any supply chain professional can go ask and try to bridge that gap is saying, hey, like what opportunities, challenges, risks, frustrations do you see in supply chain and how can I help you make them better, right? That's like the number, like, if you want to go have immediate value right now in that conversation, go have that, go ask that simple question, right? And that supply chain person may say, well, you know, we're getting squeezed on these vendor pricing, and I would love to have a second set of eyes and someone to help me negotiate better, because that's not really a skill set of mine, or I would love to, you know, do some more analysis and looking at the competitive landscape to see if we're, you know, above market, below market, or at market. 
Like there's those ways to open it up that conversation, right? And that's more collaborative, right? And it is actually getting back to finance what our true function is. We're supporting the business. The business shouldn't serve finance. So many organizations, the business are serving the finances, Excel spreadsheets or their financial models. They're serving their strategies and come back with it. We need to get back to that servant leadership, that servant mentality of serving the business. And when we can start doing that, and I, this is where I think there's no, and I'm not being biased, I think there's no functional area inside of an organization that can help connect the dots from operation and tactical execution to bottom line results in finance. We see it. Everything stops with finance. Every cost, every contract, every revenue, every dollar, everything, that's the end point with it, right? So we have that ability to see that whole story, right? We see that vendor invoice being charged. We code it. We see it hitting the P&L. We see it being paid out in cash. We see all of that piece. So as we can go across supply chain and help connect those dots to fill in the gaps, right? Because supply chain may say, hey, I get to this point and this is where I don't know what happens after here. Like I get it to this point. I don't know what happens. Hey, here's what happens outside of that. Here's how we can collaborate together. So I think that's the fundamental piece. You got to break down those communication silos. You got to break down those stereotypes. And you actually got to get to a point where saying, hey, how can we partner together to drive value? I I want you to be successful. I want the business to increase profits and shareholder value. How can we do that together? Value, that's, that's the key word. And I think that we are too often talking about costs. We're too often talking about about costs and costs being you know driven down and how we can bring you know get better uh, results out of our suppliers etc and we're not really having the conversation around value do you think that from a skill set perspective for the employee of the future whether they are in finance or supply chain there needs to be a better understanding of the value proposition of an organization that is a superpower right here's the thing and and i'm pretty sure you can say this yourself i go to so many different conferences. I meet with so many different CFOs and finance leaders and accounting professionals all across the world. I meet them every day. I meet so many people. And you'd be surprised how many finance professionals that I meet, right? And I'm like, hey, tell me how your business makes money. Tell me your ideal customer that you, you work with, right? Tell me your ideal market that you love to be a part of and where you win. And then, and they sit there and they're just like, Chris, what do you ask? Like, that's a sales and marketing question. Like, I I do the forecast. I do the budget. Like, I that's what I do. Like, we close the we close the books. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's a sales conversation. I'm like, that's that that's like the most valuable part of your business. Like, if you don't know, if you can't articulate, hey, we like to work with these kind of businesses, and this is the kind of revenue target. Here's how we go after them. Here's the pain, frustrations, and challenges and opportunities. And solutions that we can provide them that from our product or service that can help them bring value. Everything is so important, right? Value creation and how you can turn pain into productivity. That is probably one of the superpowers of every professional, right? And I look back over my career in leading high growth businesses. And that's always where I came from. It's like, I will find a business pain. And I'm like, oh, there's a pain in, in, in legal or there's a pain in HR or there's a pain in sales. And I'm saying, OK, my job, if I want to have value to that business partner across the organization, 
is not to go say, hey, sales, you travel too much. You need to reduce your travel budget by 20000 over the next four months. And I don't care how you do it. It's like, nah, man, like, hey, I want to understand that, right? Like, help me understand why this is happening and what kind of results are we trying to drive into that? Like, come from a value perspective. That is like everything. Once you can prove value, once you can take pain to productivity, that automatically levels you up. Now that gets you at the seat at the table where, hey, man, I'm actually dealing with a finance person that's not just going to be the number police. And anytime I go over, I'm going to be getting the, the ruler across the hand and say, stop it. Stop what you're doing, right? It's like, no, like sometimes, hey, it, it's valuable to do this, right? And this is the value we're creating from it. And I can see that. And I want to enable that value. So we need to be value enablers uh, across the organization. This is, a, this is for a skill set for all of those listeners. If you want to differentiate yourself and have immediate value, Focus on how you can collaborate inside the organization and you can turn pain into productivity. That's a superpower. You know what? That is a preach. I feel like I could just amen. Amen is all I'm going to say that because that's the, that's been the success of my career as well. I have flocked to where there is pain within the business and not just within my departments. I have flocked to where there is pain and turn that into productivity. And that means having a genuine curiosity, and that's what you were alluding to, having a genuine curiosity about things that bring value to the business and the things that therefore detract from the value of the business. And then having a, a, an understanding of who is instrumental to these things and how you can help them turn productivity into value, right, into profit. The second thing is I am going to have to use the number police comment that you said there. I love that. Uh, the number police, that is so true. Wherever business I've worked, usually finance is the ones like, oh, don't tell the finance person we just did this, or don't tell the finance person we're going to do that. They should be an ally. And I think supply chain and operations or business operations, which is effectively the biggest cost center of an organization. Yeah. Apart from perhaps maybe, you know, personnel, right? It is a huge, huge overhead, huge cost of business. They have got to be allies with the finance person. Chris, unfortunately, as I said, we've reached the end of the podcast and I could be here talking to you all day. But um, I, before we go, I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone on the podcast. And that's what book, if any, whether it's personal, professional, has made an impact in your life and why? Yeah, I think uh, so. I'm not a, a huge book reader. I'm more of like a quick burst. Like I love my Harvard Business Review stuff that I read because it's like six or seven pages. I get the gist of it. It lays it down. But if there was one book that I look back over my career that's really helped me that I did actually spend a lot of time reading, The 48 Laws of Power, right? I think there's so much wisdom. It's by Robert Greene. It's a lengthy book. It's about 500 pages. But I love how it just describes, like, it, it, it not only covers, like, power in a sense of, like, how you can control people. It's, like, power over your emotions, power over your mindset. It just, it covers such a comprehensive and holistic view that you can constantly be in a powerful position in in any situation, right? And how it teaches you uh, strategies and tactics through history, through where it's been like done well and where it's been done wrong to like conquer emotional intelligence or to, you know, it, it, it has so much wisdom. And I go back to my career and I'm like, I think through and I'm just like, yep, this is the law. I need to go back and revisit this a little bit more and think through it. That would be a great book. Um, it's a great actual audio book as well, too. So for those listeners that maybe don't want to 
pound through 500 pages. The audiobook version of it is really good, but that has been a book that I constantly refer back to in my career. 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. It's a, it's a fire book for sure. Chris, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing uh, your time with us. And um, we'll see you at the, at the next one, no doubt. Thank you, Maria. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.